Hey everyone, I want to give a brief content warning for all our listeners. This next series we explore contains police violence, sexual assault, racialized language, and other triggering content. We hope you continue to listen in as we discuss when they see us, but we completely understand if you need to skip these few episodes. As always, thanks for your support. This week on The Pour Over, Dill and Joe conclude their discussion of When They See Us, the Netflix drama miniseries about the Central Park Jogger case. Tune in as The Pour Over boys discuss the culminating episode, which centers the camera on Corey Wise. Let's pour it all over. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Joe, and Dill. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very things so many of us depend on each morning. Coffee. Today, we're finishing the series When They See Us, a drama miniseries on Netflix about the Exonerated Five. Uh, the, this four-episode miniseries portrays the lives of the five individuals who were falsely identified in the Central Park Jogger case. Uh, but before we get into all that, uh, let's catch up with the Porver Boys. What's up, Dill? Yo, what's up? Not not much. Not much. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Not bad, not bad. You like how I switched it up there a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, change, change it up, little change up. Yeah, it's actually from that Oprah little uh, panel discussion she has on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, um, I don't know, if you guys are watching the show or have watched that show, go back and check that out. Uh, but, but anyways, let me not get ahead of myself. Um, how you been, man? Uh, have you been sipping on anything this week? Anything in particular? Uh, well, coffee game has been a bit of a struggle recently. Uh-oh. Um, right now, actually, as we podcast, as we speak, I am drinking some some tea. Okay. Yeah, it's called the Peach Tranquility from Tivana. I think I've heard of that before. Oh yeah, it uh, it smells exactly like those peach ring gummies Ooh. that you eat as a kid. Yeah, so those it's are good. Not, like the best part of it is when I open the box and I smell it. <laughs> I would say, but it's it's good. It's good. Okay. Yeah, but you no, know, yeah, coffee has definitely been a struggle for me, um, just because. You know, life circumstances over the past couple of weeks, I basically have just been drinking, I don't know how you call like commercial coffee, kind of like office coffee kind of thing. Industrial coffee. Um, It's been okay. I've been pouring it over ice because to just drink it hot, I think is just very offensive. Um, So I don't think I could do that. But pouring it over ice is not too bad in my opinion. Hmm. But yeah, so that's kind of all I've been drinking and it's been kind of a struggle. Um, okay. Uh, wait, hold up. Wait, we gotta back up a little bit. So, you put it over ice and t- that tastes better? Yeah, to me, really? actually, for some reason. I I don't know, because maybe it waters it down. Oh. Because then, like, now it just tastes like water okay. versus before. It just tastes like bad coffee. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I get a whole my whole mug full of ice, pour pour it on in there, add more ice, oh. and then yeah. So it basically just tastes like water. Mm. Yeah, man, that's a struggle. Yeah, I got used to it though. Oh, really? Like, after a while, I was like, man, maybe this ain't too bad. <laughs> uh, but no, I think that's a a, a dire um, mistake. Oh, when did and you come wrong conclusion? Yeah. Oh, when did you come to your senses about it? Yeah, I think I I think I texted you like a couple of days ago. I actually went 
to one of the coffee shops that I usually go to buy beans at. I was mm-hmm. like happy because it's been like a couple of weeks. Uh, I've been doing this. And so I went in like ready to buy a bag. I walk in, I see like their shelf. Like right when you open the door, you kind of see the shelf yeah. in front of you. I walk in and there's only one bag left Ooh, on the shelf. What? And there's usually like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I go off. I was like, oh no, I've never seen it so empty before. And then I, I take a look. Like maybe I'll just buy this and look at the roast date. It was like two weeks ago. Of course. I was like, uh, I still asked. I was like, how much is it? It wasn't too bad. But uh, they, like, they, didn't give you no, they didn't give you a discount on that? I Afterward, I had thought about it. I was like, if I if I would have asked, I, I don't think they would have given it to me. Because the beans are relatively cheap anyways. I don't oh, think they, I, okay. I feel like they might lose money on the beans. Because they they're not a roaster. They're just a coffee shop. Right, right. But for some reason, the beans are super cheap. Yeah, I know. I think I know what you're talking cheap, about. But cheaper than normal. Um, yeah, but I was like, two weeks. It's been a while since I had good coffee, but I don't think I can do this yeah. to myself, anyways. So instead of buying the beans, I just bought a normal drip. Mm-hmm. And then, man, when I drank that drip, it tasted really, really good. <laughs> like, like it wasn't. It is. It, it was good drip. I don't. I don't think it was super amazing. But I was yeah. like, oh wait. I was reminded that coffee tastes good <laughs> and not just oh like water. Gosh. So I kind of came to my senses. I was like, oh, this bad coffee over ice isn't really cutting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad that you've you've woken up. Yeah, I know. Now, now you got to... in that funk. You got to go but, buy some beans now. Yeah. What about you, man? What's your coffee been like? Um, Coffee's been good. Good. Uh, I, I, I like uh, liked our last episode, which... You know, for our listeners, we haven't recorded in a while, so yeah, is it's kind of like Dill's bean dilemma. Like, you know, we just haven't had a really good show in a while. Mm. Um, not that all our shows are great, but um, oh, they're pretty good. I think we do a pretty good job. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I've been on the Chemex for a little bit, and then today I actually switched back to the Kalita Wave. Hmm. So that that was an interesting little change up actually. Any any particular reason that you switched back? Uh well I got I got to thinking about our episode where we tried the different be uh the different mm, brewers. And um I was like, man, maybe maybe the hot, the uh the Kalita was tasting this way because I hadn't cleaned it in a while. Oh. So yeah. I, I gave the wave like a good deep cleaning and I tasted it. And I just think I haven't had the wave in a long time, but it tasted really good. Mm. Um, very different. I mean, like huge night and day contrast. Oh, really? Interesting. Oh, uh, uh, from the Chemex, not from our oh, tasting. Oh, I was like, dang, how dirty was it? <laughs> dirty enough for us to say it tasted low <laughs> and dark. True. <laughs> nah, but okay, uh, nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was um, it was good. Like a more of a you know, because right now I'm drinking a uh, roaster out of Houston called Lucy Avenue Coffee or Lucha. Um, I bought it the last time I went home. Mm. And it's a blend, actually, of Colombia and Brazil beans. It's called Pan Pacific Copia. And um, they told me they use it for espresso. Oh. Uh, Yeah. So on the Chemex, it actually tastes very light and... um, like it, it tastes kind of refreshing and just kind of okay. you know like chill like you know so it's a good light roast when i brewed with the kalita 
it tasted really dark. Like it just tasted mm. really chocolatey and almost like a little astringent. Oh. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Well, I think it goes, it's kind of speaks to the immersion kind of, you know, uh, environment that those beans are mm. in with the wave. They're just. That's true. They got the restrictive flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they have. That, that's very interesting. Yeah. Got to continue to experiment, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, speaking of, did you see uh, James Hoffman's new YouTube video about how to taste coffee? Uh, it's kind of it's like part two because I think he had one about how to set up your cupping at home, Mm -hmm. which we kind of talked about and mentioned. In the part two of it, he talks, he kind of breaks down ways to talk about coffee and just describe the taste. Okay, that's cool. Um, It's pretty long. I think it's like a twenty minute video almost. Mm -hmm. Did you watch it? It's pretty informative. I mean, it's it goes through a lot of different things that we kind of talk about already. Kind of. The, you know, the body, you know, there's like acidity, kind of like fruit notes and those types of things. And yeah. He just kind of goes a little bit deeper into it and, and talks about it. So it's pretty interesting. Would recommend it to the listeners. We can put a link in the show notes. Um, Just kind of helps give you, I think, like vocabulary around or just ways to think about coffee and just describing flavor. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like, uh, this tastes good or this tastes bad. <laughs> You know, yeah, but there's ways to talk about it. And the thing I appreciate about him is that he kind of simplifies it for um, enthusiasts, if you will. Yeah, because I mean, he's a professional, but he's like, ah, you know, professionals will kind of talk about and care a lot about this. But in reality, it doesn't matter that much kind of thing. So he kind of breaks it down. Did he compare it to like wine tasting? I feel like he might have mentioned it slightly. Okay. Um, yeah, just cause I mean, there's a lot of different, like, I think he links this PDF in the video, which is like this worksheet that a coffee professional would fill out mm. while drinking coffee just to see if they want to buy it. And it's really complex. Okay. Like, I don't think I would ever use it, huh. but yeah. So I think in some ways there, there's some, there's a lot of overlap. I mean, you're, you know, you're tasting different things. I mean, it's like you got wine, you got coffee, they're both grown kind of. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of overlap there. Gotcha. Uh. Well, speaking of coffee vocabulary, I have a new one based on the Pan Pacificopia that I've been drinking. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say is toothsome. Toothsome. Yes, toothsome. What's that mean? I believe is used sometimes in in bad uh, Chinese subs in in videos. Like like uh, on Iron Chef and things like that, they'll say things are toothsome when in Chinese there's like a specific word for it, huh. um, which I can't think of right now. But it's like it's like a certain texture that food uh, leaves on your tooth. Mm. Like if something has a really good texture, you'll say it's toothsome or it has a very tactile texture or flavor. So it's a good thing. I think so. I might be making something up right here, but... Hey, it's okay. Uh, I believe it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to check after the show if this is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I say that because the astringency I was talking about kind of left it left a little presence on your on your teeth. I don't know mm. if that's ever happened to you when you drank coffee before, that it kind of leaves a tingle or kind of like a bitterness on your teeth. 
Hmm. I don't know. I don't think I've ever thought about that. I know, I mean, there's like the finish, just in terms of just general, but I don't know if I ever associated that with the teeth. That's, that's very interesting. I'll have to like think about it while I drink coffee <laughs> next time. Yeah. Wait, so is this something that was on the bag or something that like you experienced so that you were thinking oh, about it? No, something that I experienced, yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, how do I describe this sensation? Tooth Yeah, sun. yeah. <laughs> hmm. Learning new things. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, um, any other kind of coffee shop, restaurant experiences, new coffee gear purchases? Nah, man. I'm still trying to buy just a normal bag of beans right now. I still haven't done it yet. Oh, you just just go to Kroger or something and get something. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Starbucks. Getting desperate. Just anything will do. Um, yeah, so not, not, not much for me. What about you? Uh, I did go to a new coffee shop today in, in Dayton. And uh, surprisingly, Dayton has a high number of coffee shops for how big the city is. Mm. They just keep popping up. Um or I guess they've been there, I just haven't visited before. Um, but this is one in an area called South Park, which is a little bit south of uh, Dayton, uh, the city. And it's called Holy Grounds. Hey. So shout out to Holy Grounds if y'all are listening. I had a great uh, iced Americano today. Ooh. Uh, I definitely will visit again. Okay, okay. What was the what's the vibe like? You know, what's the aesthetic there? Uh very clean. Um very um uh, like how do I describe it? Arboreal, like a lot of wood. Mm. Um uh, yeah, their tables are all kind of look like reclaimed wood that they okay, kind of yeah. odds and ends, you know, different shapes and all that. Um very homey vibe as well. Like it's kind of built in a uh like an old old house in this kind of residential area um yeah very 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 nice people there nice. as well nice free wi-fi i have to check it out next time i'm out there <laughs> yes 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 you do very cool well i guess we'll uh move on over to our show discussion this week like we said at the top of the show we're finishing out our series on when they see us. So just a little quick synopsis over the series and even just the episode we're talking about today. When They See Us is a drama miniseries on Netflix that follows the lives of five teenagers in the Central Park Jogger case. The series explores the lives of Antron McRae, Corey Wise, Yusef Salam, Kevin Richardson, and Raymond Santana. Co-written and directed by Ava DuVernay, the cast includes Michael K. Williams, John Leguizamo, and Vera Farmiga. And this part four, which is what we're talking about this week, um, says that at age 16, Corey starts a brutal journey through the adult prison system. A shocking turn of events reveals the truth of the crime, long ignored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. So we're coming. We're here with part four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, how how'd you how'd you like this episode? It, it was a lot. So. It was, it was, and explored uh, many different things, even outside of uh, Corey's experience in prison. Um, it it really spans what episodes two and three did for the other boys, mm-hmm. but we we kind of see where Corey is and kind of walk in his shoes. So uh, yeah, man, I, I actually liked it a lot. 
Um, what about you or some initial thoughts about this episode? Yeah, yeah. I definitely liked it a lot too. It is it's like his own little movie, mm-hmm. you know, about the prison experience from the eyes of Corey. And we're saying this is a, this is a story of Corey over here. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciated that they just spent a lot of time, um, yeah, his experience going through prison, but also even just his family kind of relationship, just to go a little bit deeper dive on Corey just mm-hmm. as a person um, and his family and all that, all that too. So I, I liked it a lot. I, I thought, yeah, it could have been the standalone kind of just movie and I would have watched it and I think I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this episode uh, looks at Corey in different prisons because uh, he, you know, one thing that happens in Corey's life and we, we see in this show is that he asks for transfers because uh, he's looking to be, ultimately we learn, uh, we don't learn, it just happens that his mom has trouble visiting him and there are different layers of that too, because we find out some later that his mom's is 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 pushing drugs out of her house, but um, that might be a reason why she had trouble visiting him when he was in prison. But Corey asked for transfers so that his mom can visit him more regularly, mm-hmm. and we do see that kind of mother son dynamic throughout this episode, and it's it's uh it's heartbreaking uh, a little bit. Um, to also see that when he requests for transfers, he's actually getting farther and farther away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they first showed him in in the first prison, it just it said like seven miles from Harlem, I think. Yeah, I was like, that's kind of a a random thing to include. Yeah, yeah, you know, seven miles doesn't seem like that far. It, it could be, you know, it, it still isn't close. I was like, that's an interesting fact. And then, and then once as he got transferred, like just you see the distance goes more and more. I think it's up to like three hundred something. Yeah, I don't know. It's, just, it's really far, and it just kind of helped make that a little more real, I guess. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So yeah, just him as a kid, he's going in. He's sixteen, and he's. I think that initial introduction just really paints just that he. I mean, he doesn't understand the prison system, right? He's a kid. He doesn't yeah. know what to expect, what to do. And it's just you journey with him through this whole process where at the end, I would say he kind of figures it out. He figures out how, at least for him, how he wants to exist and live in the prison system. And yeah, I just kind of remind like the one of the images that sticks out in the beginning is when he first is getting processed and whatnot. It's like him and then a bunch of other people who are also getting processed in their own little stalls. And yeah. it's kind of like. Uh, pans across and he's just so much smaller than everybody else yeah physically right he's like there's this kid in this room with all these um other people have been convicted as well and then one of the people like has his back and forth with the guard he's like you back already you know he's like kind of talking and stuff Mm -hmm. and so like he he has his familiarity whereas Corey just has no idea what's going on yeah i mean he's a little he's a boy in the very beginning we see and um and we kind of get to see him grow up, uh, but not really. Like like you said, he learns how to survive in the prison system, uh, which is the only thing you really can do. But um, I think in the end, you still see him as a boy, like especially, you know, when he meets Roberts, which is kind of a, you know, we don't have so much. We don't really learn about him too much, but he's a central character, I think, in this episode. He's one of the um, guards that really kind of, empathizes with him and takes care of him um he said that you know i have a little boy too 
And, you know, just their interactions, like, reminds you that, like, Corey had his teenage years taken away from him. And the things that he's interested in in prison are, are things that he he would have been interested in when before he got into prison. Like, you know, the, um, I forgot what, what he gave. Yeah. He was interested in a Nintendo and he wanted to play Nintendo and, and and different things like that. And he gave him books, but yeah, man. Uh, he gave him that Chia pet, the Chia pet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. T Chia pet. I was like, can't, can he do that? Like give gifts to the, to the prisoners, but I think you can. Um, I mean, I don't know so much, but from what I've seen in TV shows and stuff like Orange is the New Black, mm. I mean, as a prisoner, you can kind of keep whatever you want in your room. And I guess they monitor monitor it. Uh, but yeah. Anyhow, um, yeah. What'd you think about? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit at the top about the things that are happening outside of prison. What do you think about? Um, Corey's family outside of prison because mm-hmm. talk this show yeah, kind of brings us into that we we get a deep look into his family and just their struggles with um specifically Corey and then his sister marcy uh who is, is a transgender um individual I, I, but marcy yeah and that's mm-hmm. like their difficulties at home just because their their mother is not accepting of that mm-hmm. um and is is really just I mean, abusing and like ridiculing um, Marcy for that and kicks her out, right? Yeah. And so you just get this look into Corey's life because, like you said, his mom um, is selling drugs out of the house, I guess, just to make money or something. And then all this, and it's just um, so much more difficulty because I think mm-hmm. even just before this, Corey's always just been painted as this almost like just wrong place, wrong time, kind of like he mm. uses there to help Yusef, right? Mm-hmm. And he just kind of tagged along. Right, right. And now we're getting that deeper look into, I mean, he, he had a troubled life too, just troubled childhood bring, upbringing yeah. and all of that. And so I think that, you know, helps humanize Corey and just remember the deep layers of the experience. Mm-hmm. He's not just this kid that just got drawn in to this whole messed up case, but he also has all this other stuff going on. Right, right. That like, yeah. yeah. Like outside of prison, his life isn't perfect. Like, it's not like he, you know, I mean, he, he doesn't have anything going for him in prison. He shouldn't even be there. But it's like, if he wasn't in prison. His life isn't just like sunshines and rainbows. Like, there's some real struggles going on in in his household. Um, and yeah, I really felt for Marcy, um, especially, you know, later on when we find out that she was murdered mm-hmm. and that's like the one piece of information that the parish offers Corey. And yeah. if you were to hear that, you know, like being in prison, like you can you imagine how like devastated you would be. And like, especially given Marcy, it seems like in that episode that's portrayed, she's close with Corey, like, mm-hmm. like between the three of them, like with his mom, not being accepting of Marcy, it seems like Corey and Marcy really had a bond you know, um, yeah. Yeah, and Marcy just looked out for Corey, you know, all right. the time, whether that's with school and just in general. And Yep, yeah, we got we got to see yeah, that, I mean, too. Yeah, that's got to suck. It's like, Corey just wasn't there for that. And then he, like, I don't know if he ultimately gets more info or not, but just for us as a viewer, we, we just have no idea what even happened. We're mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, Mar- Marcy was murdered. 
And yeah, that was I appreciated Roberts in that in that scene and in that moment. Like yeah, kinda, yeah. you know, Corey obviously is like it's hard news trying to try to process strong. that and he, he didn't want to talk to the chaplain and and Roberts just gives him that hug, right? Yeah. He just kinda holds on to him and then he just cries and Yeah, so I was I was definitely glad that Corey had Roberts there. You know, at first, I, yeah, I think I was a little suspicious of him because Corey's experience in prison yeah. is basically that everyone hates him. Like right. every prison he goes to, he gets jumped, he gets beat up. Some of the guards even get in on it. Right. And, you know, but then you got Roberts there just um, showing that some people actually care, I guess. Yeah. 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 And, and not trying to take advantage of the situation mm-hmm. or, or manipulate him. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, I, I kind of thought that was interesting in that scene. I don't know if you noticed Marcy there in that corner before when they were hugging, and then she like appears because she's locking eyes with Corey when he's being embraced by Roberts. I thought that was just going off what you're saying. You know, adding to the emotions of that scene. Uh, that kind of like Marcy from heaven is still watching over Corey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Corey, I mean, he's, he's isolated, he's in prison, no, no really support there, and you just see, like, how how much he wants, like, his family and just his support there. He he always wants his mom to visit more. Mm-hmm, yeah. And you just feel bad, right? And yeah. And, like, you, you couldn't have written it better because, you know, this, this real life is just that he just keeps getting moved further and further and further away. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think the second time he's going to request it, you know, Roberts is like, are you sure? Like, because you don't know where where you're going to go mm-hmm. when you request this transfer. And he says something like, you know, my, my bad luck's been used up. And like, that's so much like that. That line is, is so deep just for this, because it's more than just his, his experience in the prison system. He, he already got moved further away once. Mm-hmm. But his bad luck is just this whole four episodes is just his whole life up to this right, point. Right. Um, in general, not even just a central park jogger case, but just difficulty at home and all that. Just like, mm-hmm. it's like no way that this could continue just to go bad for him. Right. And it does. And you're just like, man, yeah. Ah, like, this sucks. <laughs> and it does. And then almost like, and it, and it doesn't like, because in that third prison is where he met Matthias. Mm. Um, or was it? No, he met Matthias in the second prison, and then in the third yeah, prison, they remet each other. They remet, yeah. And then Matthias comes to Corey and basically apologizes. And you kind of like you're watching that. You're like, "What am I watching here? Like, what is he talking about?" And then later, you find out that he was actually the rapist in that case, and that kind of um, kind of springboards, you know, all these things that start to happen to get him exonerated from the case. Um, but you wonder too, like thinking back, thinking back to what he was saying, like my bad luck has run out. Like maybe it really had at that point. Like finally, like maybe not luck, but you know, you know, this is kind of there's some faith stuff here going on, yeah. some like divine. Yeah, his mom becomes a Christian. Yeah, there's some heavy yeah religious themes here. Um, but yeah, it turns around for him in that third prison when he. Mm-hmm. When he gets exonerated, yeah, and I wonder because I think Matthias, like they like run into each other um, outside where, where like their gym is and they're lifting weights. And I was like, is he? 
because he like asked him some questions or something. I, I don't exactly remember. Matthias asked Corey, and then I was like, is he like scoping him out? Like making sure, I don't know, it's like worth it for him to come come clean? I mean, because for, mm. for Matthias, it seems like something has changed for him too. Yeah. I like, because I guess he's also become religious in, in some sense. And then they kind of have their first conversation, and then that turns into Matthias like, confessing and all that so yeah yeah, so i mean ultimately that's that's good i mean otherwise they would have just continued forever on like that because even even in prison like i I didn't know that this is how like parole worked but you know because Corey goes to multiple parole hearings just Mm -hmm. however long you know whatever yeah, and like the question they ask him is like, "Are you ready to take full responsibility?" Right, right. And I was like, "Oh, in my mind, they already been convicted, right? That's why they're in prison. They're already guilty of some crimes mm-hmm. based on the jury." And that it's interesting to me that that would be the question. It makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, if you're gonna yeah. come out, you'd be like, "I, I am whatever the word is, you know, like turned around and, and etc." Right, right, right. And, and Corey just can't ever say that he's going to take responsibility because he still knows that he's innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just sounds so, like, so elementary that that's the way that courts function and Uh that's the way that the criminal justice system works is, like, if you show that you feel bad enough for what you did, even though so many people are wrongly accused, like, if you lie about it and kind of act like you did it and are and are getting feel guilty for it then that will get you less years when it's not really so much about exposing the truth it's just about kind of once again playing the game um yeah. which Corey refuses to play because he's innocent so what did you think about kind of the the last you know 20 minutes of this episode where it kind of jumps forward with the details that kind of uh perpetuate this uh you know not perpetuate but kind of springboard Corey's exoneration yeah i felt it i feel like it wasn't given a lot of time Mm -hmm. the fact that they became exonerated and all this like what we knew from the beginning was that they were innocent and wrongly accused and wrongly convicted and then for me it was just it they still gave it the time, right? They still showed somewhat of that process. Um, I, I don't know what the role of that lady is, but the I guess she reinvestigated the, the case. Mm-hmm. And then she went and met up with, um, I think, the detective that's on the case, that DA, that Linda yeah. Fairstein or whatever. And when I was taking notes on that Linda scene, I was like, Linda is the worst again. <laughs> like, she's just horrible. And she still believes uh, to this day that they're guilty. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's like so poignant. Like, I mean, obviously, in, in real life, this is gonna send a message to the real Linda because the person like pulls out the books that she's been writing. Mm-hmm. It's like, as these boys in prison rotting away, you've been out here selling these books. You got these book deals. Yeah, and I'm like, did that really happen, or are they just like sending that message now? Like, either way, they're mm-hmm. letting her know. Yeah, you're God, in trouble. I been very, um surprised maybe if that happened back in the day too mm-hmm. but yeah so it I, for me i just feel like this is almost like a necessary thing that they had to show mm-hmm. because just to kind of conclude it end it off right and just show what happened 
Um, but for me, I feel like the main chunk, the main focus of just this whole mini series is just on the experience of the boys yeah. and all that. Because we know ultimately they're exonerated. Right, right, right. And so for me, I was like, okay, I mean, it's good as a necessary thing. But yeah, I don't know what you thought about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they kind of glazed over it probably for good reason. Uh, and that, you know, this episode focused more on Corey's journey in, in, through the prisons. Um, actually, I felt like. I almost felt like there was a sense of victory more through these little successes that Corey has in prison. Like I felt obviously he was not exonerated yet, but like in the prisons, there were so many little things that brought him joy. And to me, that was more emotionally impactful than kind of hearing the result at the end because we already know what happens. But like the scene where the AC comes on, oh yeah, and that imagery of him like looking up with his arms, like I'm like, man, that's like the feeling of being free. Like that just shows it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there are other ones, other scenes, or other kind of images that felt like really, really, you know, uh, profound to you. But that one to me was 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 really really uh, really good. Yeah, definitely, and I feel like there's just. Seeing his journey, and I think where 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 I'm like, oh, journey, like Corey knows what he wants now out of this. It's yes, like when yeah. the guard comes and like tells him he's got another pearl hearing, and he's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, like I'm not gonna go. So like, I feel like at that point, it's almost he's he's empowered mm-hmm. to some extent because he's like, I understand what the system is now. I've experienced it, and so I know how to survive here, and I just know what's gonna happen like what works and what doesn't work mm-hmm. and so which is very unfortunate that i mean he had to grow up in there yeah it's like back to that first scene when he was just this kid that didn't know anything now he just spent so much time in there that's one of the things like after the episode because the episode was long right it was like 90 minutes yep um and then i was just like but this was I, like i don't know how many years like for 12 him. years over a decade for him yeah and I was just like, all this where he just had to grow up and spend his childhood here, like the lessons he's learned is how to survive in prison. Yeah. And, you know, I was about to say, like, he also learned the lesson of, like, appreciating Lisa or not Lisa. Uh. Yeah, Lisa. But that's not really, I mean, you don't got to go to prison to learn about that. But these are still revelations I guess that he had. I don't know if that really honors the true story. And that's something Mm -hmm. that the the actual Corey Wise wanted to imbue into this uh, series. But yeah, maybe it was because it is in here, but you know, especially when he was imagining kind of going back in time and like things he should have done to be with Mm -hmm. her. Uh, It kind of goes back to what you're saying about him being the wrong place in the wrong time kind of guy. Like, you know, kind of shows him if he would redo everything, he would want to stay there with Lisa so that, you know, he was in the right place at the right time with that girl. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, we see him go back to that, that fried chicken joint and he, yeah. he's kind of reminiscing on that. So I thought that was kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like how they kind of closed it all up, uh, especially at the very, very end when they, kind of show they re-show the kids the actors mm-hmm. but then they transition to show the faces of the real people right right not not just the adult actors and it's like oh i like how they did that yeah just a reminder you know again just at the end be like these are the people this is real experiences 
Um, and this actually happened, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, they, they give like little little blurbs of just kind of where they at, what they're doing, um, kind of thing. And one I was, I don't know if you saw for Yusef. Yusef got ten kids. Yeah, I saw bro. that. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh shoot! It's like, like oh, he he took that barber's uh, advice really seriously. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but as a whole, you know, I think it ended up it ended on a fairly positive note, mm-hmm. just being yeah, that kind of sense of victory. Maybe like all this experience, just their whole life grown up. Um, finally, they're able to claim this, and people can recognize it, right? And and claim the rest of their lives too. Like mm-hmm. you know, it is a long time to be falsely uh, put into prison, but uh, you know they they still have the rest of their lives. You know, and 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 that's their time in prison should not overshadow the potential they mm-hmm. have now that they um you know. And they have the story to tell. Yep. I I uh want to applaud uh Jarrell Jerome for playing Corey. Yeah. Uh, definitely. You know, he's the only uh, actor who plays both the child and the adult version mm-hmm. of uh of his of his person, and I think he does a really good job. Uh, he does it justice. Um, no, not that I know him personally, but, uh, you really feel for Corey. I almost thought he was a different dude at certain points. Yeah. I was like, man, is this the same guy? But it, yeah, it is. I did a couple of double takes just to make sure. Yeah. And I watched the uh, panel, the Oprah panel, and he does not talk like that. Oh. He does not even have that same cadence or accent. Obviously, the the kind of stutter is is something mm-hmm. that he added, but like he sounds completely different. Wow. So yeah, kudos to him. Oh yeah, man! All all the all the acting in this, like the acting, the writing, all this, it it makes you feel. I think all the things that they want you to feel. Mm-hmm. And so it's just yeah, really well done. And I, I enjoyed. I think watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, final thoughts about this episode or the the series as a whole? Mm. I'm I'm glad that the story is being told on a wider scale. Obviously, it's very is huge back in the day when is when is happening. Mm-hmm. But I think which we we kind of shared for us our own experience. Like, I I don't know I don't really know about it until we watched this miniseries. Yeah. And so I'm I'm glad that this can be the story can be told, but at the same time, I mean it's relevant to to current issues too. So just hopefully having more than just like some show on Netflix, but right, right, really having impact, you know. Hopefully, and even yeah, there's even just been, I think, negative response to to some of the police and like DA practices in that time, like to right. Linda Fairstein and all the different people, and just. Yeah, so I think it's having some some type of impact. So you know, I'm I'm glad it's made and and is as good as just a you know film, just as a TV show mm-hmm. is really well done, but also tells a deeper story. Yeah. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I definitely learned something new. I mean, just about this whole this whole case, this whole situation. Um, and I watched the Oprah panel, and they call them now the Exonerated Five, which I used kind mm-hmm. of at the top of the show. Uh, and I think that's fitting because, you know, like we see with so many of the characters, when they leave prison, 
you really get to see who they are for who they are and not for this case and from the perspective mm-hmm. of this, you know, case. Um, so they're more than just kind of this tragedy that they went through on the part of law enforcement, but they have kind of the whole, their whole lives ahead of them, you know, essentially. Um, and, uh, and I, I think one person that captures it really well to me in my mind is um, Kevin Richardson, kind of the mm. the most naive and innocent looking one in the beginning. And in the end, when he leaves prison, he's still that way. Like he's just yeah. like when you see him, you know, he's just like joyous. And um, and in, in the panel, uh, the act, the actor who plays him, um, Justin Cunningham, maybe. No, that's the that's the older actor, but the the child actor he talked about the kind of positivity and optimism he tried to tried to uh kind of put into his acting and i and i think i think that's kind of summer a summary of the larger thing which is like you know um they're they're not a product of just this this case and this and this tragedy that happened yeah for sure for sure yeah, five out of five, man. <laughs> good. Would recommend. Yeah, five out of five. Yep. Well, uh, we will end this uh, pod with our usual segment, What's Making You this ha- Happy This Week. Uh, so, Dale, man, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, this week. Um, or maybe so the, I, this I month. I started watching <laughs> another show on Netflix, you know, not for the pod, but just for personal enjoyment i guess and entertainment is one that's been on my list for a while and i'm glad i started watching it okay it's uh dear white people okay i don't, I don't know if you've seen it but I saw yeah, the it's movie. one of those like oh, i put it on my list when it came out and i just kind of never really got back to it uh but now it's like season three was just released so it's, it's been out for a minute but that's also a show i it's it's a lot like it's funny it's very real it's very emotional and like it's just I think the writing and the acting in that is also really well done. Like it packages a lot of social issues. Um, obviously, the title "Dear White People," so it's about you know racism and just in in a college setting, but also just in the larger um, context mm-hmm. of, our, of our world and our country too. But I think it takes a lot of those systemic issues, kind of personal experiences of that, and also packages it in just like a good show mm-hmm. that's just funny and good to watch. So, yeah, so that was making me happy this week. It's something to just be able to watch and and laugh, but also feel. And just, I think yeah. there's just a lot of depth to the show. Okay. So, yeah. Is Another it, show to watch. Yeah. Is it, um, is it finished or is it like, is it still um, I'm going? I'm not sure. I mean, because they just released the third season. I'm oh. Sure. How long? Yeah. So not, not sure. Okay. But yeah, what, what about you, man? What's making you happy? Uh, yeah, it's been a while since we recorded. I was going to say, like, maybe my question should have been, like, what's making you happy this month? Because it's, it's yeah. been a minute. Um, but a lot has happened, uh, in this city that I live in. And, um, mm. you know, it's been at the center of talks regarding uh, gun violence. And, um, it's just, uh, it's been kind of overwhelming, to be honest, and difficult at times especially when sometimes you feel far away from these things. Mm. Um, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's just like, you know, Dill and I used to or currently live in Texas and 
the thing happened in El Paso, and then I was talking to a friend online, and we were talking about that, and then the next morning, I wake up, and I realize it happened in my city, and I was Mm -hmm. like, what in the world, like, but um, apart from that, uh, I, I am thankful, and I'm happy that uh, there are different agencies and organizations in my city that are trying to give space for people to process what's happening. Um, obviously, the street has um, has mementos and um, kind of, you know, flowers and, and, and different things. One thing I saw today is a sign that says Houston supports Dayton. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, out of any city, the one that I'm from is here. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, they are lifting us up. And another thing I'm thankful for, happy about, is a few weeks ago when it did it did ha- it did happen in the morning and then in the afternoon, or in the evening, I mean, uh, a group in Dayton who does poetry slams held the event on the day when maybe you know they would have just not done it for morning, but they opened the stage to let people come in and share their feelings. So I was able to kind of go and be a part of that, and that was definitely very needed. Uh, just to hear other people and kind of also for me to get some stuff off my chest. So, mm. yeah, uh, long-winded, but definitely just just happy for life. And I guess I'm optimistic too. Like I think I think we can do better. I think I think America has a chance to to take some steps forward in these next few years. So I don't know. I just that's it. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad you're seeing how the community's coming together and yeah, I'm, I'm that's good to hear. Yep. Well, uh thanks for chatting with me, Dill. Uh, you know, I think we're going to have to start kicking into gear, man, like getting back mm. into the swing of things. I know life is yeah. life has kind of affected us in these past 2 weeks, but uh this is definitely something I look forward to each week. Um So, yeah, we will catch y'all later with the next show. It might be a surprise. Mm. All right. This was the Pour Over Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at pourover underscore show to stay up to date with the Pour Over gang. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at herecomesdaniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic. One word. Thanks for joining us, and take care. Peace. All right.